The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Straight cash, homie. Would you please break the damn story? He took it out. Oh, for you. So much for hiatus. It's PFT Live, PFT PM, PFT, whatever you want to call us. I've got some things to say. We have the technology to allow me to say it. Let's get to some of the news currently happening in the NFL, and then I'll answer some of the questions that were submitted via Twitter. One of the big stories on one of the slowest days of the year, the announcement by the Washington football team that Tanya Snyder, the wife of Daniel Snyder, is now co-CEO and co-owner of the team. Many have wondered what in the world is going on. Why was this something that happened now? Snyder's owned the team for over 20 years, and this move hadn't happened before then. A lot of speculation that maybe at some point Daniel Snyder gets nudged out of ownership so his wife can take over. There's still that lingering investigation. I don't buy that speculation. I think that, plain and simple, this move is a recognition of the reality that the values of these franchises will be mushrooming in the coming years. I had an owner tell me last year that before too long, thanks to legalized gambling, the value of the average run-of-the-mill team is going to be in the range of 8 to $10 billion, with a B. That creates a problem when someone who owns the team dies. You have to come up with a huge payment for the estate taxes. And there have been multiple occasions in the past, including at one point the Washington football team, Jack Kent Cook, his family had to sell because of the inability to pay the estate taxes without selling off the team. As that asset becomes more and more valuable on paper, that drives up the estate tax obligation and it makes it impossible in some cases for enough cash to be available to satisfy the estate tax requirement. So if there are co-owners, if the equity has been moved around, if it's easier and cheaper from the standpoint of one spouse passing, the other still living, that kicks the can. That gives the family time to make other arrangements, other plans to soften the blow of the estate tax obligation when, and this is one of the things that I've heard over and over again, the children of Daniel and Tanya Snyder end up inheriting and running the team it becomes more challenging to preserve the ability to do that at a time when the value of the average NFL franchise is going up and up and up due to increased revenues, due to gambling opportunities, due to everything that makes the NFL what it's been. And that's one of the concerns that's out there for the league generally. What changes to the ownership structure may be necessary to make it easier for families to continue to own teams minimum percentage that someone must own in order to control a team and own a team and run a team. We may see that drop. Corporate ownership may be something that is out there on the horizon at some point. And one of the challenges, finding people who have enough money to buy and to run an NFL team. As the teams get more and more expensive, it's going to be harder and harder to find someone who can step in and 
and pay the amount that's going to be required as these values continue to go up and up. So I, I think that may have something to do with it. Also, remember, Snyder took on a bunch of debt recently in order to buy out his disgruntled minority partners. And there's talk that that's going to be a significant obligation for him to satisfy. And we'll see if the cash flow in the short term allows it. I don't know that this ownership move with his wife has anything to do with that. But just keep an eye on that wrinkle as well. A significant debt obligation assumed by Snyder in order to finally solve the problem that was presented by three minority partners who desperately wanted out and were creating plenty of issues. Now, Snyder owns it all, but owning it all means owning it all. And it means positioning yourself to deal with that estate tax obligation when the time comes to figure out how much Uncle Sam gets when someone who owns something worth multiple billions of dollars leaves the planet. The NCAA isn't gone from the planet yet, but it's moving in that direction. The name, image, and likeness issue coming to a head this week as the NCAA has decided wisely to let each school make its own decisions about what the rules will be when it comes to the ability of players to make money from their fame that they enjoy by playing college sports or otherwise. You may have some people who end up in college athletics who already amassed a certain amount of fame on social media platforms or otherwise. The bottom line is your eligibility is not going to be affected now by generating revenue from name, image, and likeness. Some schools may have different rules than other schools, but that'll become a recruiting impediment. If one team decides to be very restrictive, then another team, another school, less restrictive, more likely to get the players that it wants. One hidden benefit to this for college football and indirectly for the NFL, to the extent the NFL wants to encourage college football players to stay in school as long as they can, and the NFL does try to encourage that, I think is a way to placate the people responsible for the free farm system that is college football. The NFL wants college coaches to not be unhappy with the NFL. The college coaches shouldn't think that the NFL is trying too hard to lure players to leave because the NFL teams need full cooperation from the college programs to get the game film, access to practices, et cetera. So I think if the NFL had its way, there would be no early entries into the draft. If the league had its way, of course, the teams would like to have a crack at underclassmen who are eligible to jump to the draft. But the point is this. With the NIL laws coming into place, with the schools being allowed by the NCAA to come to their own conclusions as to what their procedures will be, you could have some of the most popular college football players making enough money from their fame as college football players to say, hey, I don't need to leave. I can stay here in Tuscaloosa, in Tallahassee, in Gainesville, in Stillwater, in wherever, and generate as much money, maybe more, as the big fish in a fairly big pond, but not nearly as big as the NFL. How many times do we see a guy who was a superstar for a college team get absorbed into the NFL and become anonymous, become an afterthought, become a, oh, I remember when that guy was a much more significant player in the world of college football. It's going to be a factor. It's not going to drive decisions, but I think it'll definitely be a factor because now when you make the decision whether or not to leave school early, what are you giving up? At most, you're giving up the chance that one more year of college football will cause you to be drafted higher. And that's part of the analysis. 
Now you're also giving up whatever money you could make in that extra year. So it's a complicated decision. It's another factor. These players need to be surrounded by people who really care about their best interests and aren't trying to feather their own nests, make their own money, steer guys toward a decision that is more likely to benefit the person who is doing the nudging. But that's part of free enterprise. And the point that I made, because the NCAA wants Congress to come in and create a national law that would establish rules for name, image, and likeness revenue. My point is this, and I don't like it when people say this generally, because I think it's a lazy way to tell Congress not to worry about things that it really should be worrying about, the old doesn't Congress have better things to do line. But in this instance, I look at it this way. You've got actors, 18, 19, 20 years old. No, nobody regulates their ability to capitalize on their fame through whatever means are available. Musicians, nobody regulates their ability to sell autographs, do appearances, make money off of social media. Why is it different for, for an athlete? Why? There should be no difference. This whole thing is an ongoing outgrowth of the facade of amateurism. And that facade needs to be imploded once and for all. And once we accept that fact that it sh there's no purity of college sport because the people aren't being paid, I, I think it should be open season. And I don't think the NCAA should have the ability to lobby Congress and basically get Congress to put in place nationally the rules that the NCAA would put in place on its own. But if the NCAA does it now, it's stepping right into an antitrust violation. So I, I, I hope that's not what happens. And I, I, I hope that Congress decides to say to the NCAA, this is your mess. You created it. Now you deal with it. We have no compulsion and no desire and no need to take up our time coming up with a rule that ultimately gets your ass out of the hot water that you've been sitting in without anyone really noticing all these years. Well, now they're noticing. And now hopefully these kids will be able to get fair value, if not from the schools. And hopefully that's coming fair value from the fame that they deserve based upon their unique skills and abilities as played out on football fields from sea to shining sea. June 29 is the 38th anniversary of the death of Joe Delaney. Every year we remember him at profootballtalk.com for one reason, actually two. First one is every year that we write a story about Joe Delaney or talk about Joe Delaney, the Chiefs player who gave his life, drowned while trying to save three young children, June 29, 1983 in Louisiana, his home state. He'd been the NFL's Rookie of the Year in 1981, very promising career, had over 1,100 yards rushing in his first season, threw it all away, willingly, courageously, entered that water even though he couldn't swim in an effort to save the three children, ultimately saved one of them, ultimately gave his life. Every time I talk about that story at PFT, I hear from someone who says, I'd never heard it before. And that's all the more reason to bring it up each and every year. It's a Example of true heroism that needs to be celebrated. And I continue to believe that the NFL needs to do something more, something at all. I'm not aware of anything the NFL has done at all to memorialize Joe Delaney. Is there a reward? Not a reward, but an award that could be named after Joe Delaney? Is there something that could be done at the Hall of Fame? Something that makes every football fan aware of what Joe Delaney did and something that honors the spirit of selflessness that he clearly was armed with on that day when plenty of people were standing around 
while the three children drowned and Joe Delaney, even though, as he said at the time, I don't swim very well, ran into the water in his effort to do what he could and ultimately gave his life. I just think it's something that that everyone needs to know about. That's why we mention it every year on June 29. Maybe at some point we won't need to mention it every year on June 29 because maybe at some point it'll be so well known by the existence of an award, by the existence of some honor, by the existence of some memorial that football fans know about it, not just on June 29, but all year long. All right, I asked for some questions today. Let's answer some questions. Let's see what we got here via Twitter. A Red Zone Alk, one of our most loyal and trusted question askers from across the Atlantic Ocean. Will Aaron Rodgers be following Russell Wilson's lead and dismissing all the controversy? Obviously, we don't know what what Aaron Rodgers is going to do. Russell Wilson showed up during OTA, showed up for mandatory minicamp, and created the impression that everything is fine. Whatever it was that was going on back in February and March, Wilson downplayed it. Wilson is fine. And, and I think Wilson recognizes this is season number 10. He wants to add to his legacy. He has to make chicken salad out of a situation that he regards, at least regarded last year as something other than chicken salad. And he, he seems to be happy with the new offense under coordinator Shane Waldron. And maybe they can establish and maintain momentum this year. Remember, early in 2020, Seahawks offense very good. Defense has caught up with them. Shane Waldron's job is going to be to keep himself ahead of the defenses as they begin to figure out what the Seahawks are doing. So Wilson, Wilson's problem wasn't with any one person in the front office. It was just the overall approach. He wants to be the guy through whom the offense runs. He wants to be used more like Patrick Mahomes and less like a game manager who's relying upon a great defense and a great running game, which Wilson obviously is part of, but we see less running as he gets older. One thing Sims has noticed is he's not he's not as fast as he used to be, and it could just be there's other quarterbacks in the NFL who are faster, and so by comparison, Wilson looks less fast. But the bottom line is, Wilson isn't at a point where his relationship with anyone in management is fractured. With Rodgers, it feels like that relationship with Mark Murphy and or Brian Gutekunst is fractured and maybe can't be repaired. Now, the question is, can Rodgers show up for his teammates, for his coaches, for the fans, and go through the motions for one more year, ignoring his issues with management, something I've said multiple times over the past few weeks. Who in America doesn't have some issue with someone in management, wherever they work? I love my job, but, you know, the, 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 the boss is kind of a jerk, but I can deal with that because I love my coworkers, I love my immediate supervisor, I like what I'm doing, so I can set that aside. That's the challenge for Aaron Rodgers. Can he set it aside? I still think he will. I think he'll show up. And is there a chance he'll blame us? the media, for making a big deal about something that he made a big deal, about something that once it became a big deal, he did nothing to quiet it down. If anything, he stirred the pot. Oh, I, I fully expect that he'll be standing in front of his locker. We know the shot. And he'll be taking shots at those of us who had nothing better to do than speculate on Aaron Rodgers' future, whether he'd be back, how long he'll stay, Will he get a trade? Does he want to trade? Who does he want to be traded to? It's, it's one of the great dynamics of modern sports where certain athletes want and crave attention and they want to reserve the right to resent the attention that they receive. I think that's probably going to happen at some point in late July when Aaron Rodgers shows up, and I think he will show up. Remember, he has until July 2 
to opt out for all of the 2021 season with no financial consequence other than obviously not getting paid his salary, but he wouldn't have to pay back signing bonus money. He'd still make his roster bonus of $6.8 million. He's already earned it. It gets paid out weekly all season long. Hell, he'll make more than most players if he opts out. But I'm told that it's unlikely he'll do that because it's too soon to make that kind of a decision that you're not going to play at all. I think he's still holding out hope that the Packers will decide, just go ahead and trade him. We're going to trade him next year anyway. Let's go ahead and trade him now. See what we have in Jordan Love. And Aaron Rodgers finally gets what he wants. Next question, PFTPM Posse. Have you seen anything from Cowboys head coach Mike McCarthy that gives you confidence in him? Well, he did win a Super Bowl. Let's not forget that. I know it's been a long time ago. Grand scheme of things, it's been a blink of an eye. It was the 2010 season, Super Bowl 45. Packers did beat the Steelers. Now, have I seen anything in Dallas that makes me think he's the long-term answer? Well, when your franchise quarterback breaks his ankle week five and you're stuck with Andy Dalton the rest of the way, I'll do respect, and your defense is historically bad, what chance do you really have? I mean, last year for a lot of coaches, for a lot of teams, I think was just kind of a weird, strange, upside-down existence. I think this year we'll get a better look at what Mike McCarthy brings to the table. Dan Quinn in as the defensive coordinator. Dak Prescott, if he stays healthy, will the Cowboys be competitive? They're the favorites to win the NFC East. I don't think they should be, but they're the Cowboys, and they'll always be the Cowboys. I don't care how bad they get. They will continue to be the Cowboys. And one thing that Jerry Jones has in common, probably the only thing he has in common with Mike Brown, the owner of the Bengals, neither guy likes to pay head coaches to not work. So I don't think McCarthy's on the hot seat by any means this year because he's got several years left on his contract. But I think we'll get an idea this year as to whether or not he really is suited to become potentially the only coach to win a Super Bowl with two different teams. Did it with the Packers. Think about it. No coach has ever won a Super Bowl with two different teams. We'll get an idea this year whether or not Mike McCarthy's on that track or whether he's on the track to be the next Cowboys coach to inevitably be replaced by someone else. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash activecash. At Bourbon Street Saints, will the Saints go with Jameis Winston, Taysom Hill, or both? I've said this as it relates to the Patriots. I could see Bill Belichick, who is the master of coming up with game-specific attacks offensively and defensively. 
choosing Mac Jones one week, Cam Newton the next based upon the matchups. Could Sean Payton do that? Could Sean Payton look at a defense and say, we can attack this defense better with Jameis Winston. He's the starter this week. Then the next week, well, we can attack this defense better with Taysom Hill. He's the starter this week. I don't think it'll happen, but it is one option that's available. And the thing about going with Jameis Winston, if you do that, you still have full access to the Taysom Hill package. If Taysom Hill's the starter, it's not like you have a Jameis Winston package, although I could see both guys being used in the same game on the same play, potentially, regardless of who the starter is. And one thing that Sims and I have talked about multiple times before we went on our PFT Live hiatus, the ability of the starting quarterback to process the plays that Sean Payton identifies, develops, draws up on the back of a napkin the morning of a game, how quickly you can adapt and adjust and run that play during the game, the more likely that quarterback is going to be to become the eventual starter and keep that job. Another question or two. Houston, no matter what, how realistic is the possibility Deshaun Watson suits up for Houston this fall? I don't think it's very realistic. I think the only way it happens is if the NFL refuses to provide any clarity as to whether or not Deshaun Watson is going to be placed on paid leave. That's step one. Now, I think the league should tell the Texans, Watson, and any other team that would be potentially trading for him, yes or no, will he be placed on paid leave? The league has had three and a half months and counting to investigate. They should know by now whether or not this falls into the category of paid leave. They need to let everyone know. But if they don't, if they don't, and Watson decides, you know what? I can hold out, stay away, lose a ton of money, have to pay back bonus money, be fined, lose my salary, or I can show up, and then if I get placed on paid leave, I don't have to pay any money back, don't get fined, and I get my salary of more than $10 million, and I don't play for the Texans this year. So if he's forced to place a bet on paid leave or not paid leave, and he chooses the path of paid leave, and they don't put him on paid leave, he shows up for the Texans, they don't put him on paid leave, He's a Texans quarterback. He's stuck at that point. That's the one way that this happens, that the dominoes fall in a manner that results in number four in red and blue playing for the Texans this year. I don't think it's a likely scenario, in part because I think the league does owe it, even if they don't announce it publicly. They owe it to everyone involved to, to privately say, yeah, if he shows up, he's getting put on paid leave. Or no, if he, if he shows up, we're not putting him on paid leave. That's the key point. And I think by the time we get to late July, hopefully the league will let everyone know and then they can make their decisions accordingly. But the one way, the one way that Watson ends up with the Texans, they don't have clarity. He guesses he's going to be put on paid leave. He shows up and he's not put on paid leave. All right, let's see if we have one more here. McCorkle Jones, opinion on the Patriots. You think they can win the division and make a Super Bowl run this year? I think they can. Why, can, why, why not? Last year was a down year. Feels like they were 3-13. and 13. They were 7-9. and nine. They were in pretty much every game. They go out and spend like never before on veterans at areas of weakness. They get their key opt-outs back, like Dante Hightower. I know Patrick Chung retired, but Dante Hightower was the guy they missed the most. Now they've got Cam Newton, second year in the system, with better weapons around him. Mac Jones there to push him. Maybe they do use both guys throughout the course of the year. And, and one thing we learned last year, Bill Belichick's not bashful about benching Cam Newton. If Cam Newton's not getting it done, 
And Cam Newton has the respect necessary for Bill Belichick to not get upset if it happens. So, yeah, I think the Patriots could be much better than last year. And because of the presence of Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels and Matt Patricia, who's now back in a very diverse role where he's helping the broader effort any way he can. This is a team that last year managed to win seven games with not very good talent at all. This year, with improved talent, with Belichick, yeah, this could be a team that that makes some noise and thrusts itself back into the conversation in a very top-heavy AFC. That's the thing about the AFC this year. You've got six, seven teams that you could make a case for as Super Bowl participants. The Bills, the Patriots, the Browns, the Ravens, the Steelers, maybe, maybe, the Titans, the Colts. I haven't even gotten to the AFC West, the Chiefs and the Chargers. You got more than half the conference. You could say, yeah, you know what? It could fall together just right, and that team gets to the Super Bowl. And the NFC, if, especially if Aaron Rodgers doesn't show up, and I think he will, let's say he does. Bucks, Packers, then who? Rams with Matthew Stafford? I don't know. We kind of need to see how it all plays out. 49ers, if they stay healthy, well, that's a big if. And this whole Jimmy Garoppolo, Trey Lance thing, I, I just think that the path in the AFC is so much more difficult than the NFC. And it's going to require some big moments, big games, big decisions, key coaching, keeping everyone at an even keel. I mean, it all adds up because the Patriots do have the talent. It adds up to the Patriots being in the mix and maybe because of their history, especially among the coaching staff. A lot of players working their way in who haven't been there to the top of the mountain yet, but the coaching staff has been there, knows how to manage the guys for situations like this. I think the, the Patriots are a team to keep an eye on that, that could find a way to navigate this very difficult AFC field in 2021. That's it for today. We'll try to do this again tomorrow. Thursday, I ain't doing it because I'm getting my vampire wisdom tooth yanked Thursday morning. If the swelling's down by Friday and I can speak coherently, not that I can any other time, we'll do one then. For now, though, until tomorrow, thanks for some of your time. Check us out around the clock at profootballtalk.com. Even though PFT Live and PFTPM are on hiatus, we'll be here for you every step of the way. Training camp's coming. Season will be here before you know it. Thanks, as always, for some of your time. We'll see you again real soon. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.